Hello there. My name is Catherine Shaw, and I have been a narrator for Calibre for 25 years, almost half my life. I grew up in Huddersfield, West Yorkshire, and my appreciation of the spoken word and use of language was really sparked from the age of seven, when I started going to elocution lessons with a magnificent woman called Madame Mitchell. The group would meet on a Saturday, and each week we would learn a poem to recite aloud, work on speech and drama techniques, and act out little scenes. From there, I joined Amateur Dramatics productions of plays and musicals throughout my teens, and took speech and drama exams to diploma level. But academically, I was always on the maths and sciences side, and I studied natural sciences at Cambridge University. I kept up theatre performances in my spare time during my undergraduate years, and having tried various jobs after graduation, I finally followed theatre's call and gained a place at Drama Studio London on a one-year postgraduate acting diploma. And that is where my calibre journey began, because my landlady in West London was herself a calibre narrator, and she introduced me to the organisation. Since then, I have recorded 54 books to date, with a lovely variety of fiction and non-fiction, poetry and prose, and with titles for children and adults alike. My early recordings were, of course, on cassette, but now we are all deliciously digital. Recording for Calibre has always fitted in around my changing patterns of work. For many years after drama school, I toured with different theatre companies, including the National Trust Theatre Company, the Edinburgh Science Festival and Floating Point Science Theatre, performing educational physical theatre in primary schools around the UK, as well as short contracts in China, Hong Kong and Indonesia. So lucky. I then spent a number of years running youth drama workshops and projects, and about ten years ago I began presenting annual workshops on voice awareness and vocal health for trainee teachers at the Faculty of Education in Cambridge. My focus has now shifted towards one-to-one -to -one maths tutoring up to GCSE level, but throughout all the variations in my working world, the power and value of the spoken word has remained central, and within that, Calibre has been a constant source of both pleasure and pride. So, how and where does it all happen? Well, the where is my dining room, in the middle of my house, as I can close all doors and have two walls between me and the outside world. That isn't fail-safe, however. I have a small conservatory room adjacent to the dining room, and the calibre microphone is sensitive enough to pick up the lightest rainfall on the plastic roof, or the delicate tap-dancing of leaves and ash-tree seeds, if caught in the swirling of a breeze. Many's the time I've got the stepladder out and corralled said leaves and seeds off the roof with a long broom. The mic will also pick up a wood pigeon's call echoing down the chimney breast from the rooftop, and because I live near an RAF base, there are periods when jet engines put paid to recording efforts. However, most of these annoyances can be avoided by getting up early, and when I am working on a book, I tend to record between about 6 and 7.30am. And I suppose that leads me on to the how does it happen. 
Well, I usually have a warm drink before recording, and I do a bit of sliding scale humming, just to wake up the throat and voice box muscles, like this. Mm. Our voice coach at drama school used the analogy of stroking a cat from head to tail as you start the hum high and slide down towards the bottom of the range. And recording early in the morning has the advantage that your muscles are still quite relaxed from being asleep. I put a soft cloth on the table, under the book, and often rest the laptop on two narrow foam strips to lift it off the table and allow air underneath. If the laptop gets too warm, its cooler fan kicks in, and surprise, surprise, the microphone picks up that sound loud and clear. I have the microphone on my right-hand side, roughly five centimetres away from the side of my mouth, to avoid any popping sounds that can occur if you speak directly into a mic. The laptop screen shows you the audio wave pattern of each section of recording whenever you stop, allowing you to spot any words or sounds which have gone beyond the comfort zone for listeners, and you can re-record as necessary. I tend to over-energise words beginning with WH, when, where, why, who, etc., especially at the beginning of sentences, so I try to turn my face away from the mic just a fraction on those. I also try not to swallow in the middle of a section, as that can come across as quite a gulp. I prefer to stop recording, clear the decks, and then resume. We narrators record books in separate sound files of around 30 minutes in length, so that the checkers at Calibre, the amazing people who sit and listen to a recording, can do their job in manageable sections. Hats off to them. With stopping, starting and ongoing editing, I reckon it takes me around an hour to record a complete, polished 30-minute file, consisting of maybe 16 pages of a typical narrative book. So putting on my maths tutor head, an average book of, say, 320 pages would consist of 20 separate sound files and take me around 20 hours of time altogether. I aim to record four or five books a year, and I do feel an undeniable thrill when finishing a book. The recorded sound files are transferred from laptop to USB memory stick which is then zipped into its own little blue padded pouch, and the book and pouch are packaged together in a padded envelope for posting back to Calibre HQ. Ta-da! Which leads to the growing anticipation of the arrival of a new book. Will it drop onto the mat behind the door, or be waiting for me in the porch because it is too fat to fit through the letterbox? What is it about, and who is it by? I like recording all kinds of books, and especially real-life accounts of the world. I grew up in the countryside, I like being outdoors, and I've completed several long-distance walks, so I particularly enjoy books about other people's travels and experiences of the natural world. There is also something poignant about recording a real person's story, and none more so than when I recorded a book written by a friend of mine, following her journey through diagnosis and treatment for a brain tumour. Such narratives certainly put things into perspective. And then begins the creative and constructive process of how to present this story. 
I almost always read a book through fully before recording. The exceptions might be, for example, a collection of poetry by diverse poets, where each poem stands in its own right, and then I would rehearse and record one poem at a time. Or factual first-person accounts or narratives, where there is only one central voice describing their world throughout. In most cases, though, to dive in and start recording without reading the book first is to ask for trouble, as I discovered early on in my calibre career. I hadn't read the book in question first, and about a quarter of the way in, I was recording dialogue between two established characters, including da di da di da he said, in his soft Welsh accent. Oh no, he didn't. Whoops. And this was the days of cassette recording, so I had to rewind, find the first occurrence of Mr. Soft Welsh Accent speaking, and re-record everything thereafter. Nowadays, digital recording makes it easy to edit, cut and paste any section, but it was a lesson learnt. That brings me nicely to the question of accents and creating character voices. How does one get the balance right on the scale that runs from bland neutrality through to the Ministry of Silly Voices? When I'm first reading the book through, I make a note of every character that appears, as unless you know the book, you can't always tell who will become a major player and who will get a single mention then never pop up again. I then add any detail of appearance, behaviour, personality traits, etc. to those character notes as they occur in the text. Once I have a full picture of who's who, I try to find just one or two specific vocal elements for each character's speech. This might be pitch, perhaps nasality, the pace of their speech, the movement of their face, and, if appropriate, a touch of accent. Ultimately, the goal is to make the characters easily distinguishable to a listener, and the most important thing for me is to be consistent. A character must keep the same voice throughout, so I give myself mental pegs on which to hang a voice quickly, especially when recording dialogue between two or more characters. And often I will associate a character with someone I know who has the vocal characteristics I've chosen. This allows swifter swapping of vocal hats, and hopefully maximises the consistency and stops my brain getting into a total tangle. But whatever tapestry of vocal threads I choose for a recording, I never want it to get in the way of the language and narrative of a book. As a final thought, I'd like to use the analogy of puppeteering. I've done a lot of puppetry work over the years, most recently in small-scale storytelling sessions for my local preschool, and I love it. But there is no theatre critic more honest than a four-year-old, and if little Molly doesn't believe in the make-believe world I am creating, she will calmly get up and return to the plastic dinosaurs. Generosity and focus are key in puppetry, bringing everyday objects to life to create the landscape of a story. And at its best, the audience becomes so absorbed into that story that they lose all awareness of the actual puppeteer themselves. In the same way, with my calibre recordings, 
I hope that listeners become immersed into the world of the book and barely notice my voice at all.